We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Welcome back, intergalactic travelers. You have landed on Planet 8. Speaking to you, as always, is your commission commander, Larry. By my side, as always, is chief engineer, Bob. And in our orbiting spy satellite, Karen. And let's go right into today's topic of discussion, Incredibles 2. We'll kick it up to the satellite. Karen, you saw Incredibles 2. What did you think? Well, Larry, I did indeed see Incredibles 2, and boy, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's uh, nearly 14 years since the original Incredibles, which yes. I think we all loved, um, certainly, um, you know, preceding all the Marvel films by four years. Um, one, you know, one might say one of the uh, best, I, I think one of the best superhero movies, despite being an animated movie, and, and right. you could make an argument that animation might be the best mode for for superheroics but anyway um i was really uh really pleased with incredibles 2 i really enjoyed it um you know it and we should say once again this is going to have spoilers whoop whoop spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> so if you're <clears throat> if you're tuning in now if you're turning in your interocitor to our broadcast uh, yes please uh, go out and see the film before you listen any further. Or if you just don't care, then that's fine, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it uh, pretty much picks up right from the original film. And uh, I thought that uh, it it uh, was great. It had some really tremendous action sequences. I, I was amazed by um, some of the action sequences. It was really exciting. Of course, the humor was terrific. Um, this time around, we uh, we we have sort of a role reversal with Elastigirl being the uh, the hero going out, um, and poor uh, Bob staying at home with uh, Jack Jack, <laughs> who is is uh, coming into his powers, which was really hilarious. Um, so uh, yeah, it was just a, a a really great movie, a sequel that really lived up to the first one. Of course, the first one had you know a charm all of its own. So I don't think right. I would put it, you know, exactly level with the first Incredibles, but it was definitely a worthy um, sequel, and uh, really enjoyed it, and I really uh, recommend it to everybody. And obviously, it's it's uh, doing really well at the box office. So excellent. Lots, you know, lots of folks are going out there and seeing it. So. Yeah, I would say go go catch it and enjoy it. Cool. It, it's interesting you say it's been about 14, 15 years since the first film. Uh, not only did, did we go see it, uh, we also saw the rewatched the first movie on, on Blu-ray. That's and, what I did it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was funny because when they introduced the heroes in the beginning of the first film, 15 years later, they're in suburbia. And, you know, selling insurance, taking care of the kids. We we tune into Incredibles 2, and it's been about 14 years. But it's like minutes after the first film ends. 
it picks up in the second film. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Let's mm-hmm. kick it over to our chief engineer, though, and get some insight from him. You saw the movie, my friend? I did see the movie. In fact, I just saw it yesterday. Cool. Um, I really liked it. You know, I'm, I'm really kind of torn whether or not I liked it the same or better than the first one. Interesting. I don't think I liked the first one better, but I definitely, you know, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of fun. A lot of action, almost nonstop throughout, which is always nice. And, uh, yeah, Jack-Jack definitely steals the show. His raccoon fight was definitely oh. a, a highlight of the whole thing. Um, but again, you know, I thought the focus on Elastigirl was really good because, you know, she pulled it off. You right. know, could have been, uh, could have been, you know, sitting there saying, well, you know, I wish there was more Mister Incredible, or I wish the other, you know, the family members come out, which they do later on. But um, I think she carried it really well, so you're not sitting there wondering that. But I, I love the original Incredibles. You yeah. know, I'm a big fan of Brad Bird. Oh yeah. Even if he did do Tomorrowland, but you know, <laughs> you know, I've everybody still, has a Howard the Duck on their resume. So. I still haven't seen Tomorrowland. I, I need to. I haven't seen it either, so I really shouldn't that. comment. But it just didn't I, really seem like something I would. Well, this watch. is the man I, that did Iron Giant, right? Well, that's true. Yeah. So what were you saying, uh, Karen? So I'm the only one who saw Tomorrowland. Okay, clue, uh, uh, clue us the, in. Clue yeah, us out in. of the three of us. I, I think that was it, it had a great idea behind it. I, it was one of the worst performances by George Clooney, but um, huh. yeah, it, you, you should check it out. It has some interesting ideas. It just I think the execution kind of fails. But anyway, I, I don't, don't want to digress too much. Right, right. I don't know why that got off my radar. I uh, anyway, uh, yeah. back to Incredibles two. Back to Incredibles two. So, yeah, no, I've definitely, like I say, since Iron Giant, I've been a big fan of Brad Bird. And, uh, you know, just kind of going off the rails a bit. Um, This was probably about 2000. Let's see, the Curls came out 2004, right? Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so this must have been 2006 or 7. I was over at the uh, Computer History Museum, which is out in Mountain View, California. And there's this little sign up saying Brad Bird and John Lasseter here with a date and I thought oh crap I gotta go back to that so I did go back and uh, it was amazing to see the two of them sitting there and talking and just hearing Brad Bird the enthusiasm he has not just for his work but for animation in general was amazing Mm. and he was definitely very animated no pun intended (laughs) and uh, it, it was a great talk you know and somebody actually asked him you know if he preferred cell animation or the Pixar type CG animation. And uh, he said, there's no difference. Hmm. Basically his idea is you come up with a story, you come up with some strong characters and then you decide what medium you want to do it in, whether it's live action or cartoon or CG or sock puppets or whatever. (laughs) The the media doesn't matter. It's the, the medium doesn't matter. It's the, uh, the story and the characters that really matter. So um, that was just, you know, it was a great talk. And, uh, you know, of course, John Lasseter uh, as well, being like the head of Pixar, and uh, and he has some great things to say as well. But, um, yeah, if you ever get to a chance to hear Brad Bird, and we would love to do a show with him for Bay Area, Bay Area Film Events, but um, if you ever get a chance to hear him talk, definitely go and, and check it out. But, um, 
But yeah, I think his enthusiasm shows in his work. Definitely Iron Giant, Incredibles and Incredibles 2. Um, and I was reading a little interview today where he was saying that it's been so long because he thought there was like this big glut of superhero content in films and didn't know if the Incredibles would really fit into all that. But I guess, uh, you know, he finally decided he had been nitpicking away at his story for so long. He finally decided to do it. And then I didn't realize, I guess, uh, Toy Story 4 was supposed to come out this year and Incredibles 2 was supposed to be next year. And then Pixar switched it. So they actually pulled like a year of production off of Incredibles 2 to have it out this year instead of next year. They had to have it ready for that roller coaster at Disneyland. I guess. Yeah. The incredible <laughs> coaster. Um, you know, as always, I really like the music in the film. It, it always adds. It, oh, yeah. It's almost like another character to me. And uh, the soundtrack was fantastic. Um, love Jack Jack. He, in my opinion, stole every scene he was in. Um, by far, even from the first film, carrying over to the second film, I love Edna. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was great to see her her uh, nasal, uh, you know, little silhouette on the monitor when they're, when they're contacting her and how she bonded with Jack-Jack and was able to identify all his, you know, powers and, and stuff. It was, it was a, a good moment for me. And she was voiced by Brad Bird in uh, both films. Yeah. Just a great, great, talented person all the way around. Um yeah, and Elastigirl, I really liked her story. Uh, even in the first film, she was a very strong hero in and of her, her own. I mean, you know, uh, not knowing the kids were on the plane, having to deal with that, you know, and then rescuing Mr. Incredible and, and all that. So it was a fun movie. Um, let me ask you guys this. Uh, Bob kind of touched on it, but why 14 years? I mean... The way that they're doing Star Wars every year, the way that they're doing, uh, you know, Marvel movies, uh, you know, why why couldn't we have had Incredibles two in you know, four or five years? Definitely worth yeah. the wait. Don't get me wrong. I mean, and and I think the way that they picked it up, like right as the first film ended, was was amazing. And the, everybody sounds the same. All the voice actors, characters sound the same to me, but. It was just, it, it's one of those movies that we always wanted to see a sequel to, and we finally got it. Well, I mean, Pixar's been doing sequels to, what, Cars and Finding Nemo and, uh, uh, what's the other, uh, Toy Story, so. But they did those right away natural. after yeah. the first Well, it's film. only natural they would want to do it. But I think it was more Brad Bird not wanting to do it. And I think he has an aversion to sequels. He'd mm. rather just do original content. But. The Incredibles really lends itself to right. sequels. And from what I hear, the cast is like pushing him to do number three. And I'm sure Pixar will too if if the box office uh, you know, continues to do well. Uh, and I, you make a good point. I'm sure they pushed him after the first one's success. Walker, you want to? Uh, you know, I, I read a little bit about it and it just sounded like he really wanted to come up with the right story. You know, the guy is, is like a real craftsman and he's um i don't think he wants to put anything out that's less than perfect you know and he was trying to build the story and and come up with the right story and the right elements and even um you know some of the stuff he'd said in interviews about how 
like with the first Incredibles, you know, Syndrome wasn't the original villain that that he had planned to use. And they got fairly far along in the process of putting that together when they decided um, his original villain didn't work and they came up with Syndrome. And then he said in kind of the same thing happened with Incredibles 2, that he had a a different villain in mind and then uh, didn't really work. So they went back and they created uh, the Screenslaver. So it, it sounds like he's somebody who is willing to take a lot of time to get things, you know, get things right hmm. and doesn't feel, you know, rushed to get something out, you know, right away. So, okay. well, I mean, and it, it works because look, you know, it's a really good, it's a really good sequel. Um, you know, but obviously this, it sounds like this has been kind of percolating in his head for all these years, all these different elements coming together. Well, that, and I also read that uh, Brad Bird, he was at a art college down in Southern California with John Lasseter. So they've been friends for years. So I'm sure that uh, Lasseter gives him a lot of leeway, you know, and doesn't pressure him to do this, that, or the other thing. He just, you know, okay, Brad's ready to do a sequel. No, go <laughs> ahead, you know. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you guys this. Um, there, there were a lot more heroes in this uh, sequel uh, or supers than the uh, than the first film. Any of those heroes, any one or two or whatever, kind of pop out and make an impression on you? Like, oh, that was a cool uh, concept for a for a hero. Uh, like well, maybe the regurgitator. Is that you're going to go with Bob? <laughs> no, I probably won't go with that. But no, I mean there were definitely there were definitely some good ones. Uh, Void was good. I think the character you got Void. a kick out of Void. Well, not so much a kick out of Void, but you know, just she seems like she has more of a backstory than most. Yeah, you know, she kind of has that um, kind of reserved kind of personality that like Violet has. Yeah, that definitely so the two of them, me and of. they you know they kind of formed a little tiny bond when they were together towards the end of the film. Um, you know, and then you've got like brick. Yeah. You know, that yeah, just, that was, uh, was pretty one dimensional, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there were definitely, you know, there were some good ones and then, you know, some, right. Just kind of background characters. What about you, Walker? Did any, anyone stick out or kind of catch your attention or. Well, I think like, like Bob said, void was interesting because of the way her powers were used, which were very similar to, an X-Men character whose name is eluding me at the moment. Night, Nightcrawler? Uh, no, there's no? A, there was an X-Men. Uh, I can do a, the loop thing. I female X-Men about. who makes portals, yes. And uh, I'm losing I, my, uh, my nerd card right now. Well, it's almost um, kind of like when uh, Doctor Strange was zapping Spider-Man around in Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. Know, through the portals and he was like attacking Thanos. Same kind of thing. You know, Walker, this is going to be our Wei Yun moment for this podcast. I know who you're talking about. Uh, Bob's giving me a strange look. We were we were on our way, and, and we already did a podcast on conventions, but Walker and I were on our way. We were driving down to SoCal for, uh, what was it? It was a creation Star Trek convention. Yeah, like a sci-fi summit. That's what it was, a sci-fi summit. And uh, we're talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine and the Vorta. And it's like he's played by Jeffrey Combs and the contact lenses, and we couldn't think of the character's name and you know like 20 50 60 miles later i yell out wayun <laughs> and it yeah i guess you had to be there to enjoy the 
the hu- uh, humor of it, but it is. But whenever yeah. one of us can't remember something, it's a yeah. way in moment for so, sure. So we'll, I, we'll, we'll be texting each other like at midnight tonight. <laughs> oh, the X Men's character's name is you know. But I, anyway. I will say, th- thinking about powers though, is um, I was really impressed with the way they used Elastigirl's powers in this because I have a tendency to kind of um, dismiss characters like like mr fantastic you know i grew up reading marvel comics and (laughs) and i always kind of thought ah you know these powers are stupid and and you know they never i was never impressed with his stretching abilities but um in the film uh they made her very exciting you know she's in so many action scenes and they had so many very inventive very visual ways for her to use her powers um like her fight with the screen slaver, it was so very kinetic. You know, she's moving around and and using. You could you could imagine that she's able to generate a lot of force by slinging her fists and 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 body parts around. So I was really impressed with with that because I I've been so I guess you know callous about these stretching characters over the years, and um, they made her seem really formidable. And, and that was uh, that was really cool to see on the screen that the way she was able to to utilize her, uh, like, shift, shape-shifting, well, not really shape-shifting, but stretching powers. Kinda, yeah, that, that's a good point, Walker, actually, because I was thinking, you know, you envision the Mole Man or Doctor Doom, and it's like, dun-dun-dun, the Fantastic Four, the ever-loving thing. I'm made of rock and I'm powerful. And the invisible girl, I can do force fields and you can't see me. The human torch and Mr. Fantastic, what do you do? Uh, I stretch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and that motorcycle too, that was pretty cool how it kind of came apart. She was able to like use the force with her body and, you know, the momentum and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Walker. That was, that was, a, that was a very cool. A lot of fun to, watch yeah it was definitely cool the way she was able to split the cycle yeah and sling it it around and and all that um yeah no it's definitely definitely cool let me ask you guys this you know we've already given our spoiler alert did uh, how long in the film did it take you to realize who the villain was bob you know early on i thought it was both of them Okay. You know, like they were working together. You know, I thought he probably was, you know, he wanted the supers back so bad that he probably set all this up. He'd be Mr. Glass, like in... Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, sounds like Elastigirl going by now. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, you know, I I thought it was him you know, and her working in cahoots. Cahoots. What but, about you? Oh. You know, I was definitely surprised to find out it wasn't him. I was not surprised to find out it was her, though. That was fun. What about you, Walker? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I thought, oh, you know, uh, either the uh, the brother or both of them were generating these crises for Elastigirl to take care of, and that, you know, one of them was the screen slaver. So it wasn't uh, too terribly um, shocking mm. when it turned out to be the, the sister. So... That that part of the film didn't really uh, have a lot of weight, I guess. And I guess that if you had any complaint about it, I guess you could kind of complain about the villain not being uh, 
you know, all that exciting or, or all that, you know, oh, there's no like surprise about the villain. Mm. Uh, I was going to say, I did like some of the things they did with the screenslaver, including the, the lair and the flashing lights and some of the other interesting um, visuals. There was so many great visuals in this movie. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I could over, I could overlook that. What did, what did you think? Uh, it, I, I was a little uh, disappointed um, because I, I, here I thought they were bonding, you know, there, there's that part in the film uh, where they're kind of like, you know, why are you following your brother's footsteps or whatever that conversation was? And he markets my ideas and, and stuff like that. So I thought it was the brother. Um, I think it would have been cool had they just created, you know, the Incredibles version of Dr. Doom. And so here is this villain that is just evil. It didn't have to be the brother sister, you know, it's, you know, and maybe they didn't catch him at the end of the movie and set up a sequel that might hit sooner than 15 years from now. You know, the thing is, I don't know that I'm going to be alive for Incredibles 4 at this rate. Um, I hope I am, but um, anyway, yeah. I'm, well, three I'm, maybe, but four? Yeah, three maybe. I'm like Walker. You know, it, it was okay if there was a, a little weak point in it. Maybe that was it. But I just the, the way that the story flowed, um, the, you know, when uh, Elastigirl got the goggles put on her. Oh, and I thought it was a nice little piece of subterfuge when they got the pizza boy. And, and they're thinking, well, you know, why was the pizza boy doing all this? And it's like, oh, he wasn't. He was being manipulated by, you know, whatever. So um, that was yeah. pretty cool. And you kind of knew at some point that when this guy's shtick was taking people over, I, I leaned over to uh, my my uh, spouse and I said, you know, at some point, Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible are going to fight, right? <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, it's no surprise, right? You've been reading comic books all your life, right. you know, it's like, ah, oh, they're going to fight. Okay. Right. So. That was cool, you but know. But it, it was still fun. It was still fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it was, uh, I, I agree with you, the visuals and everything were pretty stunning in that fight scene in, in his uh, lair or, or, you know, hideout, whatever. Um, let me ask you guys this, um, you know, Bob, uh started off talking about the the raccoon uh fight with Jack Jack. <laughs> um what were some of the fun powers that we discovered uh Jack Jack had uh this go round w- one of the uh things that I liked was when he grew to this huge size you know inside the boat and he starts careening through the walls and they just follow the holes in the wall and he finally like shrinks down uh back to regular oh that was hilarious uh bob what, what power did you kind of get a kick out of? God, you know, there were so many. I mean, he's right? got... There were like a like, ton. Yeah. Well, and they do explain that, you know, young supers have, you know, multiple powers until they develop, you know, yeah, yeah. one or two or whatever. Um, God, you know, you know, it's always fun to watch someone burst into flame. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if people for years have been saying that The Incredibles is probably the best Fantastic Four movie ever to come out. Right. So now they have yeah. a human torch potential. Right. So, yeah, they, they're right in there. Um, and he turns into a beast, so that could kind of be the thing. But, um, no, I thought, you know, I thought it was just very interesting that he had so many and they just kept showing up and kept developing and kept going on and on and on. Kind of had to do yeah. with his mood, you know, uh, as well. Yes. You know? oh, yeah. Walker, what do you got? 
I I really liked when he turns into the little demon because I think that's probably what a lot of parents could relate to. <laughs> you know, he he wants cookie and he, turns, he starts turning into this demonic creature. And I loved how Edna had figured out, you know, no, no, darling, press this. And, <laughs> he, you know, she puts out the flames with the little suit and blueberry you know, flavor, blueberry, <laughs> blueberry flavor. So he's pacified. And, and you could just imagine, you know, all the parents going, Oh my God, I need that suit. I need that suit. Um, but yeah, that, that raccoon fight for me, that was the highlight oh. of the film. I just, I was dying. I, I, I probably missed part of it because I was laughing so hard. Uh, but especially when he like grabs the lawn chairs and he's like throwing them and setting them on fire. And the but the raccoon is not backing down. It's like what no. is wrong with this stupid raccoon? He's such a moron, you know. And then Bob's so excited when he comes out and he's like, "There's not a scratch on you. This is fabulous." And then they start using the baby as a laser gun and. Oh, it, was it was it was just brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, don't just... fi- don't fire the baby in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and when Frozone comes over and uh, he's Bob is exhausted and you know the baby starts demonstrating all the powers and he's like, oh, you got a super freaky baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was great that Frozone had such a bigger part. Right. This one than the I first. Agree. Yeah, yeah. Agree, yeah, it was really good. Um, let me ask you guys this, Bob, while you're on the mic. Uh, favorite scene in the movie? I mean, there was a lot of great moments we've already touched on, but oh, what, wow. what kind of stands out? Uh, um, and then we'll kick it over to Karen up in the satellite. Yeah, obviously the raccoon fight. That would be one. Um, I thought it was also good just trying to stop the ship at the end. and That was know, exciting. Incredible's got to, you know ties himself to a chain and dives underwater and all right. that. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, God, there was just so many and, uh, I don't know if any one of that, that might be the strong part of the movies that none of them really stand out because mm. just when you see one, you think, wow, that was really great. Then boom, here comes another one. Yeah. You know, and it just keeps going. And like Karen said, you know, both, all of us, the raccoon scene was, was just like a, a fantastic yeah. Walker. You, you got something that kind of popped out and yeah. You know, I was thinking about there were all these great scenes and then there were, you know, huge, like epic action scenes. Right. But they they did really well with a lot of the small stuff, too. Like, uh, you know, I keep thinking about like some of the things with Bob trying to cope with the kids. And um, when he took them, he realized he had screwed up Violet's uh, budding relationship with I think it was Tony, the the boy at school. And they go to the restaurant. Oh my he totally God. screws it up. Yes. She squirts the water out of her. I was that was another one where I was <laughs> busting up. But then later, after he drops the baby off at Edna's and he's exhausted and he he's ta- talking to Violet and he says, "I just want to be a, a good dad." That was one of those ones where you're just kind of like, "I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry." <laughs> that that was exactly me. It's like you know, I'm welling up at that moment, and I'm like, "Oh, good, we jumped to another scene because they dwelled on it." I, I would have. Probably started. Yeah, but right when they gave when she gave him the compliment, though, he was like, (laughs) "Yeah, that was the nice little thing that broke the you know, the momentum of of that tear." Uh, For me, I loved when uh, uh, not Jack Jack, but um, what's the son that uh, Dash Dash Dash. finds the remote for the car? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! And then they use the car, and and Frozone gives him the voice command of the car, 
you know, before he gets taken over. And they're using this like, oh, it's too bad this thing couldn't go in the water. Entering water ski mode. This is still like, wow, this is cool, you know. Well, too bad it doesn't have ejection seats. Whoa, boom, with the ejection seats. Talk so. about little subtle scenes. And this stood out for me. Mm-hmm. And they did this a few times, but the one that really stood out for me is when they're, <clears throat> they've got the TV on in the background. Oh, and yes. suddenly you hear the strains of the old Hoyt curtain theme. Yes. Boom, 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 boom. And you're thinking, oh, man, they're using music from Johnny Quest. And then they show the TV and they're watching Johnny Quest. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, yes, that was great. And they also snuck in Outer Limits and mm-hmm. a Godzilla kind of movie. Kind of, and, yeah. uh, right. You know, whatever. It's like, that was great. I, I love that Jack-Jack was watching Outer Limits. Well, yeah, Jack Jack kept uh, re- uh, reappearing with a remote all the time. But. <laughs> One of the moments I thought was funny was when he puts Jack Jack to sleep and puts a table on top of the crib, so you know he couldn't get out, and poof, there he is. You know, another thing that was kind of funny there, and like you said, there's a lot of these things that are just there, but they don't call out when they they move into the big house that the uh, who is it? They well the the. The, their benefactor has. He says, yeah, it was right. originally owned by an eccentric millionaire who wanted to come and go unseen. <laughs> that was a nice touch. <laughs> it was just like, oh, okay, nice, very well. Kind of tying but, the universes together there. Yeah, that was, and then, of course, Dash gets a hold of the remote for that with the waterfalls oh. and everything else <laughs> starts going bananas. And I, I just, it was interesting too, because they don't really call out the fact of like, what time period is this set in? It obviously feels like the early 60s, mm-hmm. but they don't say anything about it, which I think is, is great. I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you see the cars right. that are in the background yeah. of things. And yeah, they're all definitely, they've got the fins and they've got, you know, the aesthetics of like 50, 60 era cars, you know. I always like uh, the Pixar films up. They, uh, kind of showcased Fenton's ice creamery out in Piedmont. I noticed the Tribune building in Incredibles mm-hmm. too, and, and mm-hmm. the scenery in the back. Um, I, I like little touches like that throughout the films. Yeah. Well, I mean, for people that don't know, Pixar is located in Emeryville, California, Bay up area. in Northern right. California. And yeah. so, yeah, a lot of the, uh, well, I think it's uh, in the Incredibles at the beginning, there's a car chase right. and they're talking about, they're going down San Pablo and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's definitely, and they try to, one thing in Emeryville that sticks out over by Pixar is a water tower. Mm-hmm. They try to sneak that into as many of their films as they can. Yeah, it's a nice so. little touch. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys watch uh, commercials on TV or Facebook or whatever, but they're opening Pixar Land or Pixar Pier in Disney's California Adventure. The Incredibles right. coaster is, right. is coming and stuff like that. Um it, it it you know same with the Star Wars stuff. It never ceases to amaze me how well Disney times out their marketing of films or TV programs or or things like that. We go to Disneyland and I'll have like a nephew with me or something. It's like, oh, you know, we want to go watch this, you know, thing over here in this theater. I'm like, what is that? It's on the Disney Channel. So I have no, you know, Disneyland to me is Mickey Mouse, now Star Wars, now Spider Man, and whatever. But I think it's a great way to tie things together, and they do it so well. Well, that tradition started with Uncle Walt, right? I mean, Absolutely. he just pretty much started mm-hmm. the park. 
to push his movies and his shows. And he had, you know, the wonderful world of color on Sunday right. nights and yeah, everything well, sleeping tied Beauty's in together, castle, you know, they put the castle in the park before the movie came out. Yeah. So he, you know, he, he did have a plan. And his head was frozen in the castle much after, <laughs> long after it. I think it's over in the Matterhorn because of the ice caves, but... Um, yeah, that big uh, abominable snowman in the Matterhorn's <laughs> protecting it or something. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this, because we kind of touched on it in the beginning. Uh, the Iron Giant. Um, Walker, did you ever see the Iron Giant? You, you have, I, right? I have seen it. I, it's not... I'm probably not nearly as familiar with it as you guys. Yeah, we, we totally love it. Um, so, so I'm going to put this to Bob. Should there be a sequel to the Iron Giant, or should we just leave? You it know, at this as... point, I mean, it's a perfect standalone film. It is. It obviously lends itself to a sequel at the end, but um, where would they go? I'd say, yeah, I'd say just leave it. I mean, it's perfect as is. Unfortunately, Warner Brothers didn't have the confidence in it to push it as they should. So it did not get the exposure it should have gotten. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely got more exposure on home video. And, you know, over the years, it's kind of become a cult favorite. But, you know, if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen it, even if you're not into cartoons, check it out. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite movies, period, let alone, you know, animated or not. Yeah, it's on my list but, as well. It really uh, resonates, uh, you know. Even though it's a period mm. piece, it's what, in the 40s or 50s? I think it's in the 50s because there's 50s. a lot of references to like 50s B-movie sci-fi yeah. stuff. And, you know, you've got the whole thing about um, Sputnik and all right, that. Right, so, yeah, right, It's definitely like, probably like late 50s, maybe early 60s. But Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they should just leave it be. I think that's one of the mistakes they do. Um, like The Matrix. To me, The Matrix, Neo became the one. You didn't need a two and a three. I mean, he became the one. Oh, I'd agree on that. Oh, my God. And then the motorcycles and these ghost things and whatever. Anyway, uh, that'll be another podcast. That Um, would be a good pod. I'd be up for that one. (laughs) I have strong feelings about Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Recrapped or whatever it was. was Give me advance warning because I'll definitely have to watch them again. It's been a long time. Oh, it's going to be a rough one for me to have to watch all three of them because I, I love the first one. And then, yeah, two and three, which is like, ah, oh, what'd you guys do? Um, all right. Well, we've digressed enough. Let me ask well, you Well, you know, one, one more thing I'd like to point out about. Sir. Before we kind of drift from The Incredibles is I was uh, obviously like we all were watching the first movie this week, getting ready for this, the sequel. Right. And uh, there's a couple things on the DVD, not so much the Blu-ray, but you know, Blu-ray comes with a DVD. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the original DVD set, there's a second disc of extras, and there's also some secret extras on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, one of, the, one of my favorites, uh, there's two shorts on there. There's uh, Jack-Jack Attack, which right. is really funny. But there's also one called Mr. Incredible and Friends, which uh, I think it might even be an Easter egg. You might have to look it up and kind of hit a secret button or a secret right. you know, link on the menu. But it's basically done in the style of the old Clutch Cargo Space Angel type cartoons with the live action lips superimposed on the cartoon characters and mm. really limited animation. <laughs> and it's basically Mr. Incredible and Frozone in an early adventure 
with their sidekick, a non-talking bunny named Mr. Skipperdoo. <laughs> and uh, it's hilarious. They even have an audio commentary by Mr. Incredible and Frozone talking about this cheap cartoon and all that. Oh, my God. It's, just, it's hilarious. And I, then uh, <clears throat> I did look up one Easter egg. I'm going to kind of read it here, what I found. Um, it's on disc two, the specials disc. Uh, it says, allow the setup menu to go through its full cycle of animation. Have the back arrow button already highlighted. Near the end of the cycle, an icon of the Omnidroid will appear in the upper right corner. Press your down button quickly, and you'll get a sock puppet version of the movie. Hmm. So if you want to watch The Incredibles wow. done with sock puppets, <laughs> that would be the thing to check out. Now, now is this an yeah. unconfirmed Easter egg, Bob? This is, a, this is definitely confirmed. You, you've seen it? Yes. Oh my and I God. have seen Mr. Skipperdoo and that whole thing. So uh, they're hilarious. And so right. I just want to clue this listeners in in case they want to check it out. And who knows when Incredibles 2 comes out, what strange secret Easter eggs will be on that one. That is cool. I, I'm going to have to make dinner for my fiance so I can watch that tonight. I've got a briber. Um, <laughs> let me ask you guys this. In the beginning of every uh, Pixar film, there's always a little short you know, film before that has nothing really to do with the movie. Uh, this one had a short, I think it was called Bow. B-A-O. Yes. Little, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Dumpling Kid. The Dumpling. <laughs> Thoughts, comments? Let's kick it up to the satellite. Start with Walker. All right. Well, yes, I, I saw bow, which I, I looked up and it means, it can either mean uh, steamed bun or precious treasure. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, this was a this was a little bit of an odd offering from Pixar. I know uh, as we as we were watching it, it was like, oh, okay, it's going to be another one of these little emotional stories. It was cute. You know, the, the mom makes, or the, the woman in it, we, we actually don't know at first that she's a mom, but she makes a little dumpling. It comes to life and she treats it like her child. And then it wants to leave the nest and she eats it. And which that was very jarring. It was very jarring, very <laughs> weird. Was, very jarring at that point i looked over at my husband we're both like what uh but then you know then you get to the real meat of the story which is that this is a mom who can't let go of her son we see her son and we find out that her son had moved out and you know grown up and found a fallen in love and so on and so forth and then you understand that oh okay she's coming to terms with the fact that you know, he has his own life. It's just, you know, all kids leave the nest and everything. And I thought, okay, this, you know, this is this is kind of a charming little story. So while I was kind of jarred initially by it, then I realized it, the dumpling had been, you know, a metaphor or whatever for, for what was going on in her life. So it was, I thought it was a, a cute movie. I, I liked the animation. It was really bright, um, vibrant. Mm. Uh, I thought it looked really great. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I mean, it's not okay. anything that, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like, oh wow, this is my favorite thing ever, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. Yeah. That, okay. Uh, Bob. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's definitely a metaphor and I think a lot of teens can, uh, can relate to being eaten by their parent, uh, when they're <laughs> trying to get out of the house and, uh, you know, it was just her way of just 
the ultimate attempt to hang on to her son and keep him at home. And again, too, I think the fact that it's a bun and he's like running around wanting to play with the other kids and he keeps getting his head caved in and she has to like mold it back and everything, you know, so it's like, you know, like a kid getting hurt and then, you know, the mom has to patch him up and, uh, you know, there's definitely metaphors to the whole thing. And, uh, and I think you just leading up to the end, you just think that, Hey, this is, you know, some weird dumpling that came to life, but, you know, then her actual son walks in at the end and he kind of looks like a chubby dumpling and, you know, you realize that, <laughs> okay, does. you know, that was just her imagination, her thoughts, or, or just a metaphor for how she raised or tried to, you know, keep him safe and keep him home and, and had to eventually let it go. Uh, I feel terrible. I, I didn't like it as much as you two did. <laughs> um, what what did you say, Bao? Uh, it, it meant dumpling and what else, Walker? Either steamed bun or precious treasure. Okay, and uh, so precious treasure, I kind of get then the sun. But, you know, he his head gets kind of bent in a little, and she puts more stuffing in him. It wasn't that she was feeding him the stuff. She stuffed the bun so that the bun could perk up again. I don't know. I You know, maybe I'm stuck on Pinocchio, and, you know, Pinocchio really did turn into a boy in the... Her eating the dumpling, though, that just, what was, what metaphor is that? I mean, and I don't want to poo-poo Pixar. I mean, you know, they, they put stuff out there and, you know, creative minds. Could have been a metaphor for actual cannibalism among families. <laughs> Maybe I watched too much of The Walking Dead. I don't know. Um, no, I think, it, like I said, I think it's just, you know, parents that are like all consuming and they just, you know, they will do mm-hmm. anything to keep their kids at home and not let them and not let them go. And that was taking it to the extreme. You know? oh, I, I guess I, I got to watch it again. I, well, and I, I think it was interesting, too, that her son was in an interracial relationship, you know. So it was sort of like bridging cultures. Right. And I, I think there was an implication there that maybe her mother was, his mother was maybe having trouble with that, as well as just the fact that he was leaving. Um, so I don't know. I think there were a lot of little, nice themes that they were presenting. But I, I agree with you. It was really jarring, but I think that was the intention was to to shake people up. Very, and yeah, maybe it, it may have shook people up a little too much. Well, then I get, then I get the, at the end, you know, they're like making buns together. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if that's like, you know, the metaphor for, you know, grandkids on the way or whatever, but. Yeah, because she made point. buns better than everyone else. And they were like, oh, wow, you really know how to make buns. Yeah. I guess she's been around. Anyway, this is a oh, PG yeah. podcast. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the, the Pixar, I, I don't know the name of it, but it's the little uh, sheep that's dancing on the hill and he's clicking his little hooves together. And the, the bunny guy bounces down the thing and they're singing a nice little song. And the fish are singing. And, and then, you know, instead we watch this one where the woman's eating her metaphoric child as a bun. I don't know. I just maybe I'm I'm too old for this stuff. I don't know. Um, in any case, that that was bow. Um, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, we have come to that part in our podcast where it's time for a censor sweep. In the censor sweep, we share with you the latest, the greatest item that has come across our little uh, piece of heaven here on planet eight. And this go around, Karen is going to share with us a treasure that she recently came upon. Karen. 
Well, Larry and Bob, uh, today I want to talk about the Lord of Thunder. <gasps> That's right. <laughs> Directly from the planet Sakaar. Mm. The gladiator, Thor. Uh, as you guys are aware of, and I'm sure many of our listeners, um, Hot Toys makes some really fabulous figures. Oh, yes. And uh, I was lucky enough to get in the mail just the other day, right before the podcast, um, their six-scale figure of Thor, the gladiator from Thor Ragnarok film. Uh, this is the deluxe version. The du deluxe version basically has an additional, uh, some additional accessories, uh, which is a Sakaran rifle and some Viking swords. Hmm. But this this figure, so this is being six scale, is about twelve inches tall. Um, this figure has a ton of accessories, and by accessories I mean weapons. Um, <laughs> So he comes with a couple of sword, Viking swords, a couple of alien swords, some daggers, uh, his mace, which when you put it in his hands actually looks like a screwdriver. Um, I'll put a, I will put a photo in our uh, blog um, so you, folks can see uh, he has his shield and his helmet. He looks just like uh, Chris Hemsworth from the movie uh, because Hot Toys always does a fabulous job. Um I checked uh, Sideshow uh, before the show, and uh, it's now waitlisted. So if you really want it, you can get on the waitlist. The mm. list price was two fifty nine, but uh, you know, if you want to give your give a try, listeners, you could go on eBay. I saw it on there anywhere from two ninety nine to three ninety nine. So if you really, yeah, you got to really, really like this Thor Gladiator figure. Or you could just wait till they come out with the next Infinity War figure where he's got his big old honking hammer. And well, I was going to ask you, Walker, does does this figure come with Mjolnir? No. So this is Thor. Oh when he was, this was like he appeared when he faced the Hulk in mm. the uh, the gladiatorial ring on so Sakaar. This was post-Stanley haircut. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know how it is with Hot Toys. They will... Uh, They'll come out with like three versions of a character from each Marvel movie. Right. So this is, yeah, right after Stan Lee, you know, oh, sir, please don't cut my hair. <laughs> uh, this is right after he got his hair whacked. But he does have that cool helmet. So that's okay. pretty nice. So that's, that is my treasure. That is my, my bow, my precious treasure. For the <laughs> well, here's a big and, question. Do they have Hulk with the uh, gladiator armor? Hulk is coming out with the gladiator armor. I think so he's coming out later set. this year. Yes. Oh, that's a big old oh, Very excited about this one. Now, I wonder if he's going to cost as much as the uh, Iron um, Iron Man from uh, the, oh, Hulk, the Hulk, Hulk Buster. Buster. Hulk Buster. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not going to be that expensive. Wow. So you don't have to start donating a lot of blood or anything like that. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> You know, I'm still waiting for Hot Toys to come out with the uh, 66 Batmobile. They came out with the Batman and the Robin figures, and there were pictures online of the Batmobile, and mm. they were jumping in. For whatever reason, they never came out with that vehicle. Well, you know, the Hulkbuster, um, I think it was about two years from when they said they were originally going to put it out to when they put it out. So you never know with Hot Toys. If it's something a little bit unusual from what they normally do, it it can take them a while. Well, with my luck, it's going to be like Incredibles 2, another 15 years. Before I look at. 
but that's okay. It'll give me time well, to save up money for that. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a long time for me to hunt down that sideshow creature from the Black Lagoon, the swimming oh, the statue. Big one. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. yeah. You know, I wanted it for years and years, and then I finally found it on eBay. Some guy had one that uh, the box was nicked. And he was selling it cheap, and so I grabbed it because I really don't care about boxes at this stage in life because I'm not going to sell anything. Mm. And uh, if I go, my daughter's not going to want to sit here and match up boxes to toys. So um, I got rid of a bunch of boxes. And so since this box had a nick on it, no big deal to me. It could have a big gouge. I don't care as long as the figure is good. So the figure's out and, you know, proudly displayed in my home. But, uh, yeah, it took me, you know, when did that thing come out? That was like... Oh, years ago. Yeah. They, they don't have the license for that. Yet. And I got Universal. it maybe a year and a half ago. Hmm. But patience, my friend, patience. Patience. Tis a virtue. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the conclusion of our podcast. Look, we want to thank you all very, very much for listening to these transmissions. Um, we want to thank our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website, www.planetatepodcast.com dot blogspot.com and uh you can take a look at the episodes that we have up so far and it also has our facebook page and a link to our twitter page we put up pictures of the uh sensor sweep items and look the conversation is going to continue uh go ahead and respond or put questions or comments on the blogspot page you can say something over on facebook or over on twitter We want to thank you very, very much. And uh, we want to put out there that there are going to be some intergalactic passports being placed in comic shops, game shops, and at conventions. So keep your eyes open for that. Uh, There's little postcards that have our podcast information on them. Read the word. Tell your friends to give us a listen. Give us a like. And uh, until next time. Be safe. Take care of each other. Bob, let's end transmission.